7.40 our time. It's a Tuesday. It's the case on morning commute. And we're pleased to be joined by the man who is known as the car doctor. The doctor's in the house. We're talking John Paul at AAA Northeast. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Sherman. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm happy as can be because I'm looking forward to taking the drive down to Polar Park to Worcester to see the Worcester Red Sox play today. It's opening day down there. I'm so excited about that. But right now, let's let's talk about cars. And we are in a midst of a crazy time here in Massachusetts because we've got people who are looking at May and finally saying, I can finally get my car inspected. <laughs> but, I, but I would imagine, though, the sooner you get it inspected, the better off you're going to be, right? Because there are people who tried to get the car inspected in May, couldn't do it, tried to get it done in April, couldn't do it. So you get all these motors. I'd say the sooner you get it done because you don't want to get to the end of the month and be waiting in line for hours and hours to get inspected, right? That's right. Uh, this is uh, one of those times that we had a uh, the state inspection program, the separate company that runs the program, got hacked, and um, it caused a lot of problems. And it shut the system down for a couple of weeks, so the inspection stations were at least offline for a couple of weeks. I know my car is due for inspection in May. I'm going to try to do it first thing in the morning before, hopefully before people get up. I know a station that opens up at 7 a.m., so I'll try to get there bright and early to get it done and get it done early. And really, you're absolutely right. Waiting till the end of the month, two things can happen. Either you get the people that are just always a little bit late at doing something, or you get the people that maybe even want to jump on it a little bit early for June. So I always try to recommend to people, stay away from the last couple of days of the end of the month, the first couple of days of the beginning of the month, because you get the people that always want to be first at the beginning, and you get the people that kind of stretched over and became a little bit late. And there's also kind of an interesting thing that happened, too. Some people like to be a day or two late every month, because at the end of 12 years of getting their car inspected, they feel like they got a free inspection because they cheated a month every year, and all of a sudden the next one, they're like, I want a whole year, kind of, without having to pay for it. Um, well, that's that's going to change. Uh, if you're late for an inspection now, if your inspection was due in March or April, uh, the sticker's going to say March or April. It's not going to say May on it. Oh, so that's what it's going to say. Yeah. So, oh boy, that's going to be a shock to people. If you're due to get it in March, you get the inspection sticker. It's going to say they have the number three instead of the number five. Right? Yeah, that's what that's what I I think it's supposed to start this month. Although with the hack of the system, maybe it's a little bit off. But uh, but yeah, the people that. Uh, went a little bit too long. Maybe they were out of town. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they couldn't get to the car ins inspection. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be whatever the original date was. So no more cheating. Now, what should people do when it comes to knowing that they're going to need to get the car inspected? Well, you know they're going to go through everything with the fine-tooth comb. What are things you should do to your car so you know you'll pass inspection? Uh, it's it's pretty easy. I mean, most people, we don't expect most people to jack up their car and check the ball joints and tie rod ends, but you can save yourself a lot of trouble by making sure your windshield wipers work properly, your windshield washers work okay. Get your seat belts out uh, because they actually want to test the seat belts and make sure they're all there where they're supposed to be. So if you have a car that you rarely use the back seat and you have the seat belts kind of all tucked in the, in the seat somewhere, get them all out, make sure they're all you know, they click into place. Uh, make sure all the lights work. Uh, get a helper if you if you need to. Turn on the lights, high and low beams, left and right turn signals, brake lights, uh, license plate light. Make sure every light on the car that was designed to work works properly. Uh, 
toot the horn, make sure the horn works okay. And then uh, if you have a check engine light on, well, game over because check engine light means you're not going to be able to get a sticker. So, and don't try to be smart about it and say, well, I know if I disconnect the battery, it'll make the check engine light go off and then I'll go in and get a sticker and nobody will know. Yeah. What happens is, uh, your car has to meet certain parameters of testing the systems out properly and by disconnecting the battery and clearing the memory of the car's computer those those thresholds that it has to hit are back to zero so don't don't think you can cheat your way around it if you have a check engine light on go in and get the problem repaired and they can set it up and make sure everything worked the way it was supposed to and the sooner that's done the better you are and the better for your car as well Without a doubt, because, you know, part of the inspection program isn't just getting a sticker on the car. It's making sure that your vehicle is safe. And although something like a cracked windshield or a headlight out to a lot of people might not sound like a big safety issue, yeah, it can be. And one headlight out, yeah, it's annoying and it's bothering, it bothers other people, but headlights all tend to and any bulb tends to have a lifespan. And what happens is that left front headlight burned out, you know, a day or two, a week later, the right front headlight's going to burn out. And then all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you have no headlights. So make sure everything works the way it's supposed to. That's why you go in. That's why we go in every year in Massachusetts and get our cars inspected to look for problems to keep you and other motorists on the road safe. And that's the reason for having the inspection system. Now, we're looking at the price of gasoline and looking at prices here. They seem to be the same, although in recent days, I'm sure you've heard about it, where there's some kind of threat where some group has been hacking into the pipeline and there's concern, I guess, with this pipeline that it could be affecting the price of gasoline here in the Northeast. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, another case of hacking where um, the Colonial Pipeline, which is the pipeline that it's about, in total, 5,000 miles worth of pipe, and it connects to about 265 or 67 terminals from Texas up to Linden, New Jersey, and it has kind of spur lines that run off of that. Um, it was hacked by what they're saying now is a group called, I think it's Dark Side. Uh, sounds very Star Wars-ish. Um, <laughs> It sounds like Yoda should do the voice, uh, but it's um, it is one. It's it's serious to the point where there was a about a two-hour breach, I guess, where the system was hacked. No one's exactly sure. No one's saying what happened, uh, but it was a data breach, not necessarily a mechanical breach of the systems, but the systems had to be completely shut down. And that means we're not getting supply from the, uh, the Texas port up to wherever it has to go. Now, we're fairly fortunate up here in the Northeast that our oil can come from uh, Texas, or it can also come from the North Sea. So European oil, which uh, was big, uh, I think we got about 70% of our oil from uh, what's, we, when we talk about oil, we talk about uh, West Texas Intermediate WTI oil and Brent. Brent is North Sea oil. We used to get about 70% of our oil from the North Sea. Uh, we've been able to flip that around a little bit, but that can also be uh, brought back up. So we're in a pretty good state 
uh, compared to maybe Georgia, Virginia, and those areas where they where they could see some shortages, and we're seeing some tightening. So when we did our gas survey yesterday, we saw Massachusetts gas prices at 2.86 a gallon. That's up about eight, eight uh, six cents since uh, last week. It's up about 12 cents uh, month to month, and it's up a pretty staggering. Uh, 88 cents over last year at this time so uh, gas prices certainly have gone up and there's and there's a variety of reasons for it and this colonial pipeline hack hasn't helped yeah when you talk about the price of gas i can remember it seemed like it was only yesterday uh, driving along water street going to gas stations and seeing the price for the 87 octane the unleaded regular i can still remember it seemed like yesterday where i was only paying like a dollar 79 yeah, yeah. eighty-seven octane. Now around here, it's two fifty-seven a gallon. Yeah, and two fifty-seven is reasonably cheap compared to uh, some other stations. I just had to get gas for one of my cars over the weekend. I think I paid two seventy-five. Uh, I didn't where I normally go, where it's normally two fifty-nine. I think they bumped up to about two seventy-two, but it just wasn't. I, that wasn't a place I was headed in that that morning, so it didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, gas prices are going up. And, yeah, a year ago we were seeing gas prices routinely under $2 a gallon. And that boded well for Memorial Day. But uh, it looks like Memorial Day travel doesn't look like gas prices are really going to affect people deciding if they want to travel for Memorial Day either. I know it's a little too soon to talk about Memorial Day travel, but just the fact that things are opening up businesses opening up uh, places like Six Flags opening up this weekend. The fact that people are going to be have the option to go out and do more. So I know it's too early to talk about Memorial Day travel, but it looks like uh, people are going to be more people are going to be traveling this time around. Yeah, absolutely. We're still, you know, we can't really look at 2020 because it was uh, such a such a crazy year. Yeah. And compared to 2019, which was which was a, a big big travel year, we're not. I don't think we'll be there at that point, but I think we're going to be pretty close. So I think uh, a lot of people have this pent-up demand. They want to get out. They felt like they've been trapped in their homes for a long time. The majority of the travel over Memorial Day is usually a result of getting in your car and getting somewhere. So even if gas prices went up a dollar a gallon between last Memorial Day and this Memorial Day, for a family taking a 1,000-mile trip, you know, you put... You know, four people in a car that gets 20 miles per gallon, you're going to use 50 gallons of gas to go on that 1,000-mile trip. Uh, most people are not going to cancel their travel plans over $50. They're going to go where they want to go. And uh, I heard a travel professional describe it the other day as revenge travel. I need to get out. I need to get out. And that's what people are saying right now. I need to get out. And we're even seeing, I was talking to one of our travel folks at AAA, and they were saying places like Aruba, uh, because Aruba seems like they were taking a lot of extra care and caution is a hot spot right now. And domestically, uh, the parks in Orlando, uh, Disney especially, uh, very busy. A lot of people are headed down there. They're very busy, and also they're still having those restrictions in place as far as distancing and whatever, despite what Governor DeSantis is saying. He's just opening up and saying, do what you want to do. Uh, Disney and Orlando saying, not so fast. 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into the the politics of the governor down there, yeah. but uh, yeah, Florida is one of those places that uh, you talk to people down there, and they just kind of say, "What pandemic? What are you talking about?" That's right, yeah. John Paul. We're talking with John Paul, the car doctor from AAA Northeast. More to come, but first we're going to take a time out. Then more about our cars and things to do to get ourselves ready for what is the summer driving season. That's all coming up next on the K Zone. This Tuesday at three. Our time now seven fifty three. This check the roads and weather is sponsored by Spatter Oil and Energy. Where one call does it all. The nine seven eight five three four five one seven one. What's getting our attention right now? Route two eastbound in the Devons area. Road construction continues there at the Jackson Road exit. One thing to watch out for as you're heading towards Worcester for the game this afternoon. I would imagine 290 is going to be a very busy place with the extra numbers that are being allowed to be there at Polar Park for the game. Uh, 190 southbound heading towards Worcester. 290 heading towards Worcester and Polar Park. Give yourself time to get there. Give yourself time to find parking, too. That's going to be an adventure, finding a parking space down there, at least to start the season. As for weather, sunshine, look at sunshine right through Friday. We're seeing a slow, moderating trend where temperatures are getting warmer. Today, we're talking lower 60s. For Wednesday, mid-60s. Thursday, upper 60s. Friday, lower 70s. And they're talking sunshine all four days. It's 7.54. More with John Paul coming up as the case on Morning Commute continues. Every Saturday... 7.55, our time is the case on Morning Commute continues. And once again, we're talking with the car doctor, John Paul, from AAA Northeast. One more question about gasoline, because we've talked about the type of gasoline you use in your car. There are some people who will take the car that takes 87 octane, and they might try the 89 octane, or maybe try the 93 octane, the super premium in their car. Is that good or not good to do with your vehicle if, if your car normally takes 87 octane gasoline? I'm a big believer in use whatever gasoline the manufacturer recommends. So if your car if your car says use 87, every test that we've seen says by using 89, 91, 93, you're really just wasting your money. Now, if you have a car that doesn't get driven very much, sort of the, uh, you know, just gets kind of putt-putted around and doesn't get used much an interesting thing can happen is carbon can build up inside the engine when that happens it raises the compression of the engine and that 87 octane might actually cause a knock or a ping so by increasing the octane they'll kind of make it go away but it's going away because there's something actually wrong with the car uh, the other thing that people need to think about, if their car requires premium fuel, so you open up the gas door and it says 91 octane required, you really should use that. That's what you should use. Now, here's where it gets a little bit cloudy. If it says 91 octane recommended, it, it's not required. It's just recommended. And we did a bunch of tests a few years ago and found out that when it says recommended, switching to 87, the cheaper gasoline, has real has no real effect on horsepower and performance. It has zero effect on vehicle emissions, and it has maybe a tiny effect on gas mileage, but it's way offset by how much more you're going to pay for that mid-grade or premium. So even the car that says 80, 89 or 91 recommended, Put ninety, put uh, put eighty seven in. It will run just fine. And like you said, just make sure you get in the car and just take it around. Don't let it sit around, gather moss or whatever, or who knows? You keep it sitting. 
You're not going to know what you're going to find inside the car, inside the engine, too, right? Oh, oh, that's something we've seen over the course of the last few years, especially, is critters. Uh, you know, uh, mice, moles, rats, all kinds of stuff that can move inside your car and under your engine that can do some significant damage to your vehicle. Uh, I was talking to someone who invented, actually, a car cover that keeps, tries to keep critters out of your cover and he had a pretty fancy exotic car and uh rats in california did twenty eight thousand dollars worth of damage to his car so uh most of us don't have that but if uh mice chew on some of the wiring under the dash or under the hood you can easily do a thousand dollars worth of damage so uh using your car on a regular basis is good for your car uh lack of use sometimes is worse than abuse $28,000. I know. I don't own a car. I've never owned a car that costs that much, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> wow. Even $1,000 in damage with the wiring, that that's bad enough as it is. It is, and the good news is, I guess, uh, if there is good news with that, it it would be covered under your car insurance, just like fire, theft, and collision. So it is covered by that, but most people have it, you know, fi- at least $500 deductible. Some people have $1,000 deductible. So it's $1,000 out of your pocket. And if you suspect, if you're fortunate to have a garage and you suspect that maybe you have mice in your garage, first thing you should do, take out any food that's in the garage that can attract them, water, things like that. Seal up any openings. Um, you can try these... Um, uh, kind of peppermint smelling things that that it looks like a tea bag but it's filled with oil of spearmint that's supposed to keep mice away other people say take uh mint smelling soap and shave shavings of it and leave it around mothballs are kind of stinky i don't prefer those i would rather smell peppermint than mothballs um and it worse comes to worse sometimes you have to use traps to you know it's 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 you or them at some point so i mean there you I, go. I, and yeah. we'll leave it at that john <laughs> thanks so much we appreciate it. we got news coming up next on the k-zone 105.3 fm and 1280 wpkc 